Hey everyone, and welcome to the weekly sermon podcast for the Wilmington Church of Christ. I hope this will inspire you and help you grow in your faith as we see God move through His Word. Please stay tuned after to hear more about how you can help partner with us. Enjoy the message. We have been studying how to pray so that we can become a church of prayer, not just a church that prays. We've looked at what God tells us, uh, way, words to pray from Psalm 23. Now we have uh, looked into the Lord's Prayer out of Matthew chapter 6 because we want to be a people of prayer, not just people who pray. We want to keep continue to grow in that area. Uh, one of the greatest areas of growth that provides more of the Holy Spirit for us is through prayer. So we want to keep doing that. One of the ways that we've done that is we said, hey, the Lord's Prayer, when Jesus says, here is how you should pray. Here's an example of prayer. He starts giving us, you know, our Father who art in heaven. Those words are words he tells us, uh, these are words you can pray, and this also teaches us to pray. What I have thought is that these words uh, maybe are quoted from the Old Testament. I've always kind of felt that way. And then uh, as I started investigating, sort of um, looking more into the Lord's Prayer, it, they are connected. Every phrase in that prayer is connected to a, a phrase found in the Old Testament. If you just take all of Jesus' words in the New Testament, he seems to quote the Old Testament almost every time he speaks. And when he teaches the Lord's Prayer, he is quoting, once again, the Old Testament. And I think he's trying to teach us something so that we know what we are praying. So very quickly, I want to run through every phrase in the Lord's Prayer and give you some verses that you can go and study on your own at home and look up how Jesus is connecting the Lord's Prayer to the Old Testament. Here's the main way he's connecting the Lord's Prayer to the Old Testament. He is reminding us of the Exodus story. He's reminding us of that God sends a Savior, and he's reminding us of God is going to take us home. He's going to rescue us forever someday. This is kind of how it works. If we look back in the Old Testament, we see one of the big themes is Exodus. God sends a rescuer to the Israelites who were slaves in Egypt. They are brought out of Egypt and out of slavery. And, in, and then they were led in the wilderness, protected and provided for by God. And then finally, God brings them to the promised land. In the new covenant with Jesus Christ, God, again, sends a rescuer. He rescues us. Jesus rescues us out of slavery and forgives us of our sin. He changes us inside by his death on the cross and his resurrection. Then while we are on earth, we are in the wilderness. We have not yet made it home. He is leading us, us, a colony of heaven here on earth. He is leading us and providing for us every day while we're here as we wait to be taken home, which is heaven. This is found in the Lord's Prayer. I'll give you some examples. Um, before, uh, I'll give you some examples, then we'll pray it, and we'll focus in on one phrase today. So, our Father, um, if you can imagine, that is the phrase. Um, if you want to write these words down, the, the phrase, our Father who art in heaven, Jesus is quoting from several places in the Old Testament where God is called the Father. He says the Israelites are his firstborn. He is their father. He says he wants to draw us in where we will be his people and he will be our God. And there is an intimate connection God is wanting and desiring here where he will come rescue us. So if you want to write down Exodus chapter 4, Isaiah 63, Jeremiah chapter 3, you can study those phrases uh, where Jesus is drawing this text from, from the Old Testament, on your own time. 
I have about 40 minutes extra beyond our sermon of material I want to present today. We're not going to do that. So you have to study at home some. Yes? You can't get all the spiritual growth you need from one sermon. You have to do it on your own every single day. So here's what God, Jesus, is teaching us. Draw us close to you. Rescue us. Teach us. Teach us what it means to be your children and you to be our dad, our father in heaven. That's that phrase, our Father in heaven. Next phrase, make your name holy. Hallowed be thy name. That is uh, found uh, specifically in Ezekiel chapter 36. God says, I'm going to rescue people, change them, give them a new heart, and it's not for their sake. It's for my sake. It's for my name's sake. And when I make my name holy, when I show how good I am, all the people in the world are going to know that I am holy and I am good. And so when we pray that, Jesus is asking us to pray that, we are asking God, God, would you make your name holy by saving me? Would you save more people and make your name holy and allow us all, everyone, to see your grace? Make your name holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Specifically, this is the only place that I know of in the Old Testament where God uses the phrase, kingdom come together. It's in Micah chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. Depending on what translation you get, but it's the only place I can find where God is talking about bringing his kingdom into fruition. And what he's doing there is he is teaching the people his ways. He's teaching them to walk along their paths, and then we get to join with what he's already doing. So when we pray, your kingdom come, what we're asking God is, God, help me to partner with what you're already doing here on earth. You are bringing about your kingdom. Teach us your ways. Help us to walk in your paths. It's good to know what we're praying when we pray it. And uh, it's good to know that he's connecting us to the Exodus, the old covenant, that God is going to send a Savior, and he's going to bring us to the promised land, and then he provides the new covenant that does these things. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. There is a reason why Jesus uses that phrase. It would seem weird for us to say, go eat your meal today, your daily meal. Well, Jesus is quoting Exodus chapter 16. I'll even read it. Uh, I, don't want to miss, I don't want you to miss this. This is one clear way that connects what Jesus is saying in the Old Testament. It, where we find the Israelites, they're being led out of Egypt, out of slavery. They're in the wilderness, and they start getting hungry. They're basically, the desert area. And their stomach grumbles, and that brings out the grumbling and complaining out of their mouths. And they say, they say the strangest, crazy stuff, and we all do when we're in pain and when we're suffering. We say stupid things. One of the stupid things uh, they said was they said to Moses, we would rather be back in Egypt in slavery than out here in the wilderness. They said, we are starving out here. We would rather be slaves than have to rely on God. I mean, they say some stupid things. And Moses is like, what are you talking about? And they said, well, we had cucumbers back in slavery. And Moses is like, you are. um." So anyway, God says, listen, I'm going to provide for you. Just trust me. And here's what he says. He says, I'm going to give you bread every day. It's going to be called manna. It's going to be something you've never seen before, but it's going to come from me. And in Exodus chapter 16, he answers their complaints, not with destruction, but with grace. He says this, then the Lord said to Moses, Exodus chapter 16, verse 4, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. There it is. There's the connection Jesus is making. And what he is connecting here, and this is where I want to spend time today, is he's connecting every day we need this bread from heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread. We're going to come back to this in just a second. But what Jesus is talking about there, that everyday bread, is himself. So our prayer there is give us this bread from heaven, Lord. Give us more of Jesus Christ in our life. Help us to make knowing Jesus our priority. We want to know Jesus more every day. That's the prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. It's actually a prayer. Give us more of Jesus. We're going to come back to that. That's where we're going to focus on today. Give me, give me a second because I want us to pray it together. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those as we have forgiven our debtors. Why didn't Jesus say forgive us our sins? Well, he's tying it back to the Old Testament. God gave us this, God gave the Israelites a law called the year of Jubilee. At the year of Jubilee, every 50 years, they were supposed to remember what God had done in Exodus, setting slaves free. And so he said, at the year of Jubilee in our nation, we are going to forgive every single debt. If you owe somebody something, the debt is forgiven during the year of Jubilee. You owe no more. And you're going to set all your slaves free during the year of Jubilee, and they get to go home. Every 50 years this happens, remembering that they were set free from their slavery. And so Jesus, when he says, forgive us our debts, he's calling our attention back to that year where we celebrate God has set us free from our sin slavery, and he has forgiven us our sins, and now we need to go and do that for others in the same grace-filled love that God gave us out of Exodus, the year of Jubilee. So our prayer there is, remind me of the grace you've given me, uh, and uh, remind me of the grace you've given all of us, and let me give that grace to somebody else. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are in debt to us. Hearkening back to the Exodus. What's the next phrase? Lead us not into temptation. Again, he's quoting Old Testament, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 4, Deuteronomy chapter 7, Deuteronomy chapter 29. And most places in the Bible, that phrase, uh, when it's translated into Greek, means testing or trial. The reason why we use a translation that says, lead us not into temptation, is because King Jimmy translated that way uh, about 600 years, 500 years ago, and that, that stuck. That kind of phrasing stuck. You know, the King James Version? King Jimmy, that's what I call it. Um, they translated that word, tri- the better translation is trials. Lead us not into trials. In this world, you will have trouble, Jesus says. But take heart, I've come, overcome the world. And so uh, what we're praying there is, God, when we enter into those trials, would you make them light? Would you give us the strength to endure? Would you um, keep the devil from us? Would you open our eyes to when we're tempted, there are ways out? But we know we're going to go through trouble. We know we're going to go through trials, so give us strength. That's what we're praying there. Lighten, lighten those trials. There is a, um, there's a psalm, and I can't think of what it is now. It's one of David's psalms, and he prays. He said, God, I know I need discipline from you. I know my life is not right. And he said, so let me have the discipline. Fix me, but do it gently. That is this prayer. Lead us not to temptation. Make those trials gentle trials, but continue to shape us. And finally, uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 29, it's almost word for word. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. 1 Chronicles chapter 29, David is giving praise and Jesus is linking our prayer to that prayer of praise where we recognize that God deserves all the glory and all the praise. He has all the uh, majesty and splendor that all belongs to him, and we praise him. That's what we're praying 
when we pray the Lord's Prayer. Let's do that together. Let's pray the Lord's Prayer together, and let's think about what words, what they mean while we're praying it. So here's the the Lord's Prayer on the screen behind me that you can uh, say it with me. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Feels good to know what we're praying, right? Just on that one note, give us this day our daily bread. There's a couple of connections I want us to make, and that's where we're going to focus. And then we have a testimony that goes along with that. While they were in the wilderness, they, were, they needed food. So God provided manna from heaven, bread from heaven. And he did it every day. Here is how they were supposed to act. Every day when they woke up, after the dew faded away, there would be bread on the ground. That was manna. They were supposed to go and collect enough for themselves for the day. If they collected more, it would spoil. God said, I don't need you to obey me. Just collect enough for today and I'm going to provide for you again tomorrow. Trust me, every day. When we fast forward about 2,000 years, Jesus is with the Israelites, and he's teaching them. He's teaching them in a big, large crowd, and the disciples come to him, and they said, Jesus, we've been here all day. They've been here all day. We need to send them home because we don't have enough food for them. They need to go home, get some food. If you send them away, they can eat, and then we can meet again tomorrow. But we, we're gonna be, they're going to be hungry here in a minute. They're already hungry. And Jesus says, well, what do you have? And this boy came. He had five loaves and two fishes. And Jesus says, that'll work. And he takes it. And he prays over it. And then he starts passing out these five loaves and two fishes. And he passes it out to his apostles, all 12 of them. And then they begin to pass it out. And he feeds 5,000 men and women and children, is what the Scripture says, with five loaves of bread and two fishes. He multiplied it. The people that were there, they ate, and they ate until they had enough, and then the apostles went around and they collected basketfuls of food, whatever was left over, so none goes to waste, and each apostle had their own basket full of food at the end, 12 baskets left over. And the people that were there, they said, whoa, we like this guy, he feeds us. We're going to come back tomorrow and get more free food. And so they did. The next day they came back to him. And see, they made this fundamental error that we oftentimes make. They were after what Jesus could give them instead of after Jesus. Let me repeat that in another phrase. They came for the benefits of knowing Jesus instead of just coming to know Jesus. Let me say it another way. They were after what good things they would get from him instead of after him. They wanted what... Jesus would give them instead of wanting Jesus. We do the same thing. And Jesus tried to fix their mindset and their heart. He said, you are coming to me for the wrong reason. You are coming to me because your bellies are full and you want to get more bread. He said, I'm going to give you bread that if you would consume it, if you would go after it, if you would seek it, you'll never go hungry again. And in John chapter 6, in John chapter 6, he tells them what he means. 
Let me flip over there right now. John chapter 6, here's what he says. They come to him for more bread. I'm turning there right now in my Bible. Jesus says, I'll give you bread that you'll never go hungry. And they said, hey, we want this bread. Give us this bread. And Jesus says in John chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Here's what he means. If we seek out safety, security, food, money, satisfaction, if we seek out the things Jesus can give us, we will be working and working and working and we'll never be satisfied, we'll never be full, we'll never have what we need. But if we seek out Christ and we put all of our effort into knowing Jesus, he provides the other things too. It's just this real subtle shift in our thinking. Do you want Jesus for what he will give you or do you want Jesus? They came to Jesus, they said, give us what you give us. He said, no, no, you need to know me. And if we focus on Jesus, then the other things come. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be added to you as well. And it was a word that they didn't know. They said, well, who are you? He said, I am the bread from heaven. Jesus is linking, give us this day our daily bread, to the manna from the Exodus, and then he tells us what that manna is. It is himself. If we seek after Christ we will be saved. We will know the truth. We will have peace. We will find satisfaction. But it's a subtle shift in knowing Jesus. One of our elders on sabbatical, Matt Noggle, um, has a testimony about knowing Christ. And he wants to say a few words to us as well because, you can come on up, Matt. Because Matt and Darrell, uh, they are, have served here and they've served faithfully and they have made a huge impact on our congregation and on our community Matt trains men to follow Christ, men and women. He has a focus on men. Darrell has trained women and has served in our children's department. Um, if any two people know how to seek after Christ, it's Matt and Darrell. But Matt and Darrell are moving out of state to go take care of Matt's family in Texas. I have been praying that God would keep them here and not let their house be sold. And then all of a sudden God said, no, this is, this is something better. And uh, I'd like uh, to give Matt some time just to, to give us um, some words from himself and from Scripture before they leave. Can you hear me? Hey, there we go. <clears throat> uh, Dale's been praying too hard. Um, I've been trying to move out uh, to help my folks for like a year. <laughs> God listens to this guy. Um, uh, before I give you my little bit of a testimony here, I wanted just to say what a privilege it has been to worship and to serve and to be served by you. We love all of you, and it's really hard, and my wife is now about to fall apart <laughs> as I speak, but it's going to be hard to leave. This is the longest we've ever been in one place, the longest we've ever been in a congregation because we have a tendency to move around a lot, and um, well, compared to most people. I grew up that way, and so the, I've never been any place in my life longer than I've been here. And we just love all of you, and uh, we just thank you again for all that you've done. And I've grown more here than I have any place else, and it has a lot to do with that man 
that just sat down. Give us today our daily bread. Uh, excuse me here while I uh, whip my sword out of its sheath. Whoosh. Does that sound like a sword? That's the best I got. <clears throat> Give us today our daily bread. Uh, my testimony to you is that we need to have time with God every day. Daily bread. I never equated the Lord's Prayer before with spending time with Jesus, but it's true. He is the bread of life, and we need to spend time with him every day. And every time I get in front of you, I, I push this one theme, quiet time, time every day with God. What we do here together, when we get him to worship and we hear the word, that should just supplement the main thing you get your relationship with God will only grow as much as you put effort into it individually by yourself, not just saying, oh, I came on Sunday, so I'm good to go for the week. Every day, because it's a relationship. Every relationship you have is based on time. If you don't spend any time with someone, you might know everything there is to know about that person if you have all the details, but you really don't know them. You really haven't spent time with them. And God wants to know us, and he wants us to know him. In fact, I've said before, Jesus gives us a stern warning about the fact that we can actually get to the end of all this training, all this time we spend on earth, and miss the boat. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? That's pretty awesome stuff. But he says, I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoer. Jesus wants to know you. He knows everything. He knows everything there is about you. He knows every thought you're ever going to have and everything you were ever going to do before you were ever born. But somehow, he has established relationships by time spent together. Give us this day our daily bread. You know, when we don't spend time every day with Jesus, when we don't spend time with him, we run the risk of cooling off in this relationship with God. And I, it, something came to me um, about something he said in Revelation. Jesus was writing letters to the churches, and there's one church in particular. You might be familiar with this passage in Revelation 3. He's writing to the church of Laodicea. He said, these are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness. 
and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Those whom I love I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. For so long I have used that passage and heard it used as a way to witness to people who haven't had a relationship with God. But this verse is to the church. It's to us. He, he warns us against being lukewarm. And how do we become lukewarm? By taking for granted this daily bread that we can have. He gave us an example, a parable he told about a sower of seed, a farmer, and throwing his seed out. And some of it fell on the path, some of it fell on the rocks, some of it fell on the weeds, and some of it fell on good soil. Let me tell you something that he says in this parable. I'll just read it to you. <clears throat> He's explaining the parable about what everything means in it. When he gets to the weeds, it says this, still other seed sown among thorns. They hear the word, but worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desires for other things come up and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Without spending every day with Jesus, without spending our daily bread, getting our daily bread, we become lukewarm. And we allow other things in our lives to take his place. In this country, we have the ability to do almost anything we want. We can have and, and do things that other countries only can dream about. We have so much but often the things that we have, have us. And we devote more time to the things than we do to the things that are important, like relationships. Our family sometimes can suffer, but most importantly, our relationship with God. It's easy to get caught up in this life, in this country, because we have so much. To give God, the leftovers, if we give him anything. And we go days without eating. I don't know about you, but I like eating every day. It's kind of a habit. I got this eating habit. In fact, that's why I worked for 40 years, because I had an eating habit I was trying to satisfy. <laughs> but we have the opportunity to have a daily bread. We have an opportunity to spend time with God every day, and we should take that opportunity. And so my testimony to you is that I, right now, make a covenant to you that I'm going to spend time with God every day, and I want you to join me in that. I've already been doing it, and it works. This relationship with God can only be as good as we choose to allow it to be. We have the power to choose whether or not we're going to spend time with him or not. In his word, talking with him. Choose him. Choose him.
Matt has led small groups. Darrell has been part of a small group. There are places and opportunities now for us to use our gifts to fill in what they have been doing. Uh, we don't get a lot of time, even in worship, just to be still and focus in on God and just go to Him in prayer. Why don't we use time to ask God if He wants us, one of us, to fill in the spot where Matt was training others to be disciples and we'll, where Darrell was training others to be disciples. Maybe God wants you to use your gift in a new way to help train men how to be men, how to follow God, help to train our children how to grow up to be the people they are supposed to be. I don't know where God wants you to use your gift, but I know he has given each one of the church members gifts to use in his kingdom. And it's not just about Sunday morning. It's about every day using the gift, Monday, Tuesday, using the gift God has given you to raise up new people to follow Christ, to offer new encouragement or new grace or to help teach people his ways and put them on the right path for his name's sake. I don't know where that is, but I know we need probably 10 people to fill in for what Matt's been doing. We need probably 20 people to fill in for what Darrell's been doing. Would you go to prayer right now, just quietly, you and God, and ask him to reveal to you if it's you that he wants you to fill in that spot? I'll pray to you. Let's quietly pray, and then I'll wrap us up with prayer. Let's pray. Lord, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Because you are Lord of the harvest, would you send workers? Lord, would you reveal where you want us to serve you. Reveal how we can make a difference. Lord, daily as we go and receive more of Christ through your word, through our prayer time, through your people, the church, would you just continually pour your spirit into us and work through us where we can bless others. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We do get Christ, uh, like Matt was saying, through a quiet time. What that looks like is we would read our Scripture, and whatever part of Scripture we read, we meditate on, we dwell on it, we ask questions of the text, we think about what it means. And that meditation will oftentimes take us right into prayer. Whatever we're reading about in the Bible and whatever we're thinking about concerning what we just read will move us right into what we should be praying about. That is a way to get more of Jesus, and we need to do it every day, just like the Israelites had to collect food every day, and Jesus says, I'll give you enough of me for what you need for today, but you got to do it again tomorrow. Just keep trusting me, keep seeking me, make that your priority. Well, one of the ways, and I love this way, one of the ways that Jesus says we can actually have more of him is through our time of communion. It is a beautiful representation of the sacrifice Jesus made for us. Jesus says, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you. He said, take and eat, take and drink. This is a way where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. This is a way to get more of Christ. There's a mystery here, and I feel like somehow, and I can't explain it, somehow as we consume 
the bread and the cup, we are taken up to be spiritually with Christ. We are reminded of his death, burial, and resurrection. Scripture says when we gather together, we should do this in remembrance of him. And so we remember that he died for us to set us free from our sin, to set us free from sin slavery because he loves us and because we needed to be rescued. Not only does it remind us of his death, but it also reminds us that he is going to come back and take us home. There is going to be a day where Jesus returns exactly as he ascended into heaven. And when he comes back, he is going to gather all nations to him. And those who are in Christ will be called and taken home. And those who are not in Christ will be sent to hell forever. It is a desperate time. And it is a desperate plea. Would you come to know Jesus now? Well, during communion, we get more of Christ. Not only a reminder of what he did for us, but the reminder of what he's going to do. Allow me to pray for our time of communion. God, thank you for this opportunity we have to have more of you, even through communion. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this ministry has impacted you, I ask that you would pray and consider partnering with us financially so that we could continue to minister here in our community and beyond. Visit us online at wcconline.org backslash donate to find out how you can be a part of what God is doing here. Thank you again for joining us, and I hope to see you back here next time.